Bonjourno, Fantas. Welcome to an oh episode of, <laughs> of Keenan and Cal with Adam and Aaron. Uh, I'm Adam. Capiche? I'm Aaron. We don't know what capiche means. <laughs> <laughs> I know what it means from my years of extensive Italian 1 and Italian 2 studying. Oh, yes? Well, why don't we get to that once it comes up? Okay. Great. Uh, this is episode uh, 12 of Keenan and Cal season 1 called Safe and Sorry. We are sorry to deliver this podcast to you because it is a podcast that should not ever have been recorded from an episode that shouldn't exist. There are three episodes that are on Amazon. The last one that we watched, um, Bag and Sag and Kel, it, which we, we were questioning, like, why, why did this one make it? It was f- totally fine for the most part. But this one, there's a lot of reasons why this is not why this is not a uh, in the main rotation. We're gonna get into those and all these other reasons why this episode was a one for the record books, or maybe not, uh, maybe not at all, actually, uh, <laughs> in this podcast. Right after a little introduction, as discussions over police brutality have been circulating throughout the country, some questions arise, such as why do they have so much power? Why don't they have a more comprehensive training program and assessments? Why are they so well-funded while other public institutions like schools are not? All of this leads to the very interesting question. Do we even need the police? Some mayors have been experimenting with defunding police departments in major cities. While this tends to decrease police brutality, it also tends toward disorder and more chaos. Defunding the police is similar to trapping the entire police force of a city in underground tunnels for an extended period of time, a la The Dark Knight Rises. Pretty soon, the power vacuum of the city will be filled with crooks and vigilantes, some organized, some not. Though Bane and the League of Shadows were defeated by Gotham's altruistic hero, most organized crime operations don't meet such cataclysmic dooms. They persist against all odds in the face of law enforcement and legal squabbles. They battle tooth and nail for position, negotiating in back alleys, around poker tables, and in leather booths of their favorite Italian restaurants all across the city. There's not much history written about American mobsters. If there was, I still wouldn't talk about it. All you need to know is that there is such a thing as organized crime, and there's a good chance the mob bosses have more power than you think. They are a force to be reckoned with. Fearing them and choosing not to talk about them is entirely justified. Luckily, the young and curious Keenan Rockmore and Kel Kimball know that organized crime is nothing to get caught up in. Quite unluckily, on the other hand, they seem to be in possession of something that doesn't belong to them. I think we should, uh, at the very end, we should compile all the intros into one <laughs> podcast episode. And so it'll, a be like a, it'll be literally like a crash course through history. <laughs> Keenan and Kel history. Yeah. Should we organize them like uh, um, chronologically? Oh, that'd be, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do that. I'll let you take care of that. <laughs> Great. Can't wait. So, okay, uh, hop on the big, big orange couch, sit down. We watch a couple, of the worst intro that there ever has been for the episode. It's very bad. Like, they, I I don't know if you noticed, but they're like, 
they're making up lines and like there's awkward pauses and the whole the dialogue of this whole episode was was beyond amateur yeah i i would like to highlight that it's written by a man named uh, eric bowers who did not write any other episodes and i believe it was because of that it was written in kind of like a vacuum like he was tasked with writing a, a show and he learned a couple things about that show and he because it really doesn't feel like a Keenan and Kel, does it? No. Do you know what it feels like, Adam? It feels yes. like I'm supposed to write an essay. And I <laughs> ran out of time for that essay. So I wrote the essay in an hour. A four-page essay in one hour. And there was <laughs> just throwing throwing every everything I could think of, whether it's funny or not. Just throwing it out there, you know. Just learn a little bit about the, learn a little bit about the content and then just BS your way through the rest of it. That is what this episode feels like in yeah. sitcom form. So uh, please join us as we gather it. Uh, so Keenan and Kel arrive on stage. Anything noteworthy about their outfits? Keenan's wearing his gray camo or blue camo. <laughs> Kel's just wearing a shirt. It's it's a normal outfit underneath. It's like a it's a green <laughs> polo and like jeans, but then he's got this insane camo like over shirt. Oh, it's it's the the fishing jacket, right? It's like the fly fishing camo. It's just, and yeah, they uh, decide to do some magic tricks, which it might be the worst delivered joke of the of the whole show so far. It, it's it's pretty rough. Um, Kel, uh, he he goes backstage because he wants to show off his magic. Um, he get, grabs a magic hat, you know, like a magician's hat, and then he has Keenan say this ridiculous spell over the uh, over the hat. Lava Wagga Daga. Oh, you wrote it down. Good. Thanks, Adam. Um, and <laughs> Abladi Ablada is the full phrase. Oh, th- thank you. Thank you. Um, and then Keenan says, Kel, have you been licking the microwave recently? Which I thought was a pretty good line. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. And then, uh, anyways, he does the spell and pulls out a bunny. Hey. Yeah, that's that's magical. New, new ground. <laughs> but... Yeah, uh, he, he asked Keenan to kiss the bunny, to which Keenan replies, No way, man, that's legal. Very interesting use of the law here, Keenan, but uh, we'll we'll run with it. And yeah, Kel has a very notable pause, because just trying to remember his line or something here. So, something. I, yeah. yeah Keenan goes backstage and comes back with his own magic hat, and has Ke- Kel recite a phrase. Dippity-doo in a gata la dide, maybe? <laughs> yeah, that's definitely an ad lib. Just tossing baby at the end of it. Yes, sorry, I didn't slow this down to to really catch all. No, the no, yeah, yeah, that's that's perfect. You put in as much effort as they did writing it. <laughs> that's what so. I'm saying. I felt like I just scrambled this essay together. I didn't even have put a work cited in. I submitted the essay and then I sent in the work cited an hour later, saying sorry, I submitted the wrong copy. Can't tell you yeah. how many times I've done that. Sorry if any of my professors are listening to this. I highly doubt you are, but sorry. You already got your degree, so... (laughs) (laughs) They can't take it back. What are they going to do? I guess I can't do that again, because I just gave up my secret. (laughs) Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, after Kel says the phrase, Keenan, here's the big joke. He pulls out of his hat, uh, bunny sauce. Yeah, it looks like salad dressing. (laughs) It says bunny sauce on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, sir. Which the audience of me is—I don't think I've ever heard the audience not into a joke. They're very upset by this. Not even like give it like a 
a smattering of applause. They're all kind of like, eh. It was like a joke that I would have written in third grade, like with yeah. my friends on the bus ride home. Yeah, and it's just funny because you can you can tell that Keenan's immediately like off put by it, and he what he says next makes no sense whatsoever. He says, "Sauce makes you think." You, you reach inside something and you never know what you're going to pull out. <laughs> like it's two nonsense items and to which Kel I know, saves it by saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, actually, you know, in, in lieu of, I mean, not in lieu, in light of this episode, that does make a lot of sense. Uh, yes, it, it's a good transition to the episode, but a bad transition out of the, the bunny sauce bit. Very, very bad. Yeah. Uh, so, but he says, "Yeah, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about soon." And rushes off, and Kel, all hears it goes, and we get into the show. So we enter Rigby's as we very often do, and Keenan is building something quite beautiful that is not addressed after this moment, which I think it should be. Um, <laughs> in in no way. <laughs> I feel like they they found this prop, and they're like, "Oh, we got to make this work." Because the, uh, okay, it's a giant, um, like, rectangular prism, like, stack of, like, marshmallows. Clearly adhered to, like, a box or something. How dare you not say exactly what it is? Oh, it is apologies. A, it, it's a marshmallow hotel. <laughs> Were you not paying attention? Right. Where a um, hotel made out of marshmallows that's marshmallow-sized. And uh, let me tell you, as, as someone that's been keeping a very close eye on the, uh, the financial cost of Keenan and Kel are imposing on Rigby's grocery store, I hate this. I hate this Marshmallow <laughs> Hotel so much. <laughs> because I could, I could count it, and I... But it's not... It's, it's clearly a prop of... Like, there's a box inside, and it's not a true number of... Of marshmallow, he only has like two bags out too, and that's that doesn't even cover it. Well, he he's throwing them away as he goes. <laughs> yeah, but he's got empty are bags. Are you telling on the me? Counter. Are you Just, telling me you didn't count them? Uh, I I counted them. So <laughs> if it, it, if it was like a a pure, <laughs> if it was <laughs> marshmallows stacked and stacked and stacked on top of each other, it would be a twelve by twenty eight by sixteen marshmallows for a grand total of six thousand seven hundred and twenty. But. I feel like it's only like an outer layer of them, so I'll reassess the map, math for our season finale. I uh, I'm having tra bags traumatic really I'm having traumatic marshmallow <laughs> flashbacks because uh, when we were growing up, you used to grab <laughs> grab marshmallows from the pantry and then throw them at me full speed across the across the <laughs> kitchen. Yeah, but they were marshmallows. <laughs> yeah, but you would do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, it, it, they made a very satisfying sound, if you recall. Kind of. Yeah, uh, I apologize. It, that's okay. Um, but for that, all those years of marshmallow throwing, I think you deserve nothing but to count all of those marshmallows and make sure it's accurate. Yes, I, I'll give a full accurate count. Thank you. What the true number seen on screen is. And the reason we're spending so much time on this is because it's just about the most interesting thing in this episode. Okay, let's continue. So it's it's just a cutaway <laughs> gag. That's it. They, they make it, and, and Chris is like, what are you doing? Uh, stop messing around. That's it. That's all he does. He could have been doing anything. He could have been juggling, like, oranges. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he says, uh, bad Chris episode, absolutely, I want to say. Very bad. No personality. Zero. Uh, but he wants Keenan to clean out the basement. And uh, not just the basement, the storage room of the basement. 
Yes, and uh, Keenan doesn't seem too excited about this, and he looks a little bit frightened. So Chris asks if he's scared, which of course, <laughs> Keenan scared of anything? No way. Yeah, uh, actually, th- uh, that is a, a thing that definitely comes up in later episodes. Uh, that Ke- Keenan's kind of a scaredy cat. Oh yeah, but he uh, his visceral reactions that we've seen in a few episodes definitely uh, come out. In the in in when he's afraid, it's it's very visceral and very. Uh, he's very much in his body, you know. He's like an embodied human. I don't I don't know how else to say. <laughs> that of course he is. Well, he's he's fully realized. He's got wants and fears and actualized. And all, yeah, right. Um, but at, at Cal, funny enough, has been the one with more fears listed like throughout these past episodes. But he will happily go out in the basement just to help out Keenan. Yeah, yeah, Kel enters and he says he's going to help out. Keenan entices uh, him to help with... <laughs> the Dust Buster. Oh, I was like, what are you, are you going to say it? You there? I'm there. Can you hear me? <laughs> I, I was holding for applause. The, uh, the <laughs> Dust Buster. Ooh. Ah, what a joke. Very Full House... Uh, <laughs> full House-esque. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to use that little vacuum. Uh, so they, they head down to the uh, basement. Yeah, the minivac. Um, so yeah, the transition scene, of course, is the minivac sucking up Rigby's. <laughs> uh, that's kind of how this episode feels. Feels like it's getting sucked up into a, a vacuum with a bunch of other dirt and pieces of hair. Um, so they stops <laughs> them very critical. I think I'm in a bad mood. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, so I, I just uh, edited the uh, In the Line of Kina episode recently. And I noticed just the whole episode, you can just kind of feel it on your voice. <laughs> I was just angry that that episode existed, and the same thing is true here. Just the chore of the whole ep- the show. Yeah. Yeah, so, sorry about uh, yeah. that. Hey, so, sometimes the blast, sometimes we kind of have to muddle through. But, hey, we're, we're kind of, we found this episode, and we dug it up so the audience, the Fantas, don't have to. I, so. I hope that is true. We're taking that bullet and making it nice and uh, digestible. And instead of just watching the episode, you're listening to the episode three times. <laughs> yeah, you cannot, <laughs> you cannot find the episode anywhere. So don't, uh, don't worry about it. Don't look for it, please. So, so, <laughs> so <laughs> let's uh, let's let's go down to the basement. It's dark. Yep. First they first they they scare each other when they the lights turn on because they're both very spooked. Um, and then uh, Cal finds an old book, which he du- promptly dusts <laughs> off into Keenan's face. Which it's really funny because he he blows like a like a mountain of dust in Keenan's face, and then he like brushes it off with like the dust buster, like it might he might a hand brush. It's yep, yep. It's uh yeah. So I mean, like we're we're getting the 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 inklings of this slapstick humor. Uh, very, very prominent in this basement scene, definitely. But you know, it's like it just seems so forced. But anyways, yeah. I, well, will. I think the the writer doesn't know exactly who Keenan and Kel are, but Keenan and Kel know who they're supposed to be. Right. So like when they are doing the slapstick stuff, and they're really uh, there's a really good Kel moment at the end of the episode, and it's just yeah, it's like that's that's pure Kel. So I, I feel like they, they know what they're doing, at least. Yeah. yeah. No, they know what they're doing. And so uh, Keenan finds a, uh, a taxidermy squirrel to scare Kel with. Yeah, that, that part is uh, it's really humorous. <laughs> Why must you torment me with rodents? 
yeah, and so <laughs> then uh, then it, it appears that Keenan has an, a creature of his own on his back. <laughs> yes, uh, like a, a giant tarantula. Enor- like the size of your hand, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely massive. Uh, Kel points it out, and uh, because he's so scared, he can't fully say the word spider. To, to, to Keenan's frustration. Yep, we get a little Kel stutter, um, and then they start to, of course, overreact once Kel lets Keenan know what's on his back. They are scrambling around the basement trying to find something to squash the spider um, and get him off Keenan's back, and so Kel's looking around, looking around, and he finds a sludge hammer. <laughs> and yeah. and so that that's like it doesn't go well of course he has to put it down he can't he can't swing it um, and then it seems like he grabs either a book or a the, brick the book <laughs> it was the book okay yeah and then he just starts whacking the spider like a whack a mole <laughs> he starts wailing on Keenan with it and it, it's really funny because he says yeah there he ran away and then Keenan's mad at him because he didn't kill it. and he says well I was just trying to scare him I didn't want to hurt him. <laughs> <laughs> They're, the innocence of Cal is is pervasive right here. It's just yeah. oozing. He, he didn't want to hurt the the spider, but he didn't mind like beating the, the heck out of Keenan. Yeah, we won't get into uh, issues of um, animal abuse here, but uh, no, hey, they're they're all for the animals. It seems seems like it. You know what? We're pretty neutral on the animals. I'll say for the episode. Uh, yeah, the yeah, spider went so free. Far. The bunny was in trouble. The tax right, term right, right. So. Maybe there's a deeper story here. <laughs> well, there's not a there, there's not a shallow story, so let's let's just keep on trucking through. All right. So yeah. what happen What happens next? Almost spontaneously. As they oh, it's not spontaneous. As Kel beats Keenan with a book, something flies out of the book, and oh, Keenan picks it up and realizes that. it's a map. I missed so, that. <laughs> believe it or not, everything was connected from the spider to the map. <laughs> wow, seamless writing. Yeah, they uh, uh, they start looking at it, and what is the blueprint of? It lo- well, Keenan thinks the blueprint is of a secret safe, while Cal thinks the blueprint is of a sofa. <laughs> a secret sofa. Secret sofa. Yeah, the word safe and the word sofa. They look very similar. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, uh, they start, you know, discussing it, and. Uh, what do they realize? What what makes sense to them? Well, there must be a safe somewhere, and it must have something inside of it. So <laughs> Keenan says it must have gold or coins or gold coins, and Kel says maybe it has wieners. Yeah, for all you know, it's full of weenies. Which is <laughs> so... What? what? I don't know. It's not, it's not a... I made a note of it here. The dialogue here is especially uh, horrendous. Yeah, uh, they, the writer knows that Keenan Kel is supposed to get in trouble, so Kel says that might, that that Matt must lead to trouble. Back in the uh, the front of the store, uh, Keenan Kel is trying to keep quiet about it, and Chris is. This is a fun bit because Chris is dealing with a recurring character. Oh yeah, who's the character? A guy that we had seen before, uh, Dave. Oh yeah, the delivery guy. He also appeared in the uh, the in the line of Keenan episode where he delivered the ten cases of orange soda cans. Oh, so there's a common yeah. thread among all of these. <laughs> Dave ruins episodes. Dave, you are not my friend, and you are not a friend of this show. Um, 
Sorry. I'm, I'm, Dave, <laughs> if you're out there. <laughs> Dave, if you're out there, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. Well, uh, he, uh, Chris is upset with Dave, too. Why is he mad? Well, Chris ordered two cases of peanut butter. So Dave delivered two cases of peanuts and two cases of butter. And he's like, they're not the same. <laughs> and Dave's like, yep, yep, yeah, they are. Some people mix them together. Chris doesn't really know what to say, so he's just kind of being bullied into accepting the fact that it's kind of a long bit. It, it's like, you know, 30, <laughs> 45, one minute. Um, and then Keenan Ke and Kel are, uh, come out there, and when they see what the order is, they say, oh, yeah, you can mix them together to make peanut butter. And Dave's like, told you. Anyways, Chris signs, and then uh, <laughs> Chris does, does Chris ask, like, how's the, uh, how's the basement going? Um, and yes, and Kel just immediately spills the beans. Yeah, when Keenan specifically told him not to. Kel yells, like, uh, we found a secret map. And then, this is a really good moment. <laughs> Everybody in the store, which is about, like, five, five, six patrons, turn and look at Kel, like, surprised. With greed in their eyes. And, uh, or confusion. Greedy confusion. <laughs> Something. Some emotion. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, Keenan says he didn't say secret map. He said he needs a nap. <laughs> and in a scene where I think to demonstrate that Kel needs a nap, he slams his head down into the register, way too hard. It it's <laughs> like, it's very likely this is what got the episode banned <laughs> from Amazon. Yeah, just a real. <laughs> I feel like Kel is really hurt in this scene. Yeah, yeah, he really like banged his head. <laughs> Well, actually, no. I'm watching it. I'm watching it back right now, and it looks like he bangs his head into Kel's forearm. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a stage crash. Well, the sound effect they put is is very loud and convincing. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyways, uh, may it be promoting violence? Mm, who knows? Um, but anyways, Keen <laughs> I, th I think there's a bigger case for that later in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> in like the next scene. Ah, uh, that's a uh, good point. Okay. Anyways, so uh, Keenan uh, and Kel rush to the back of Rigby's, and Keenan yells at Kel for being a blabbermouth. There is a funny undertone here about how Kel keeps pointing out that the map's not theirs, and and like in this scene, he says uh, Keenan replies, um, "It does." Oh, hang on, sorry. Keenan replies that um, it's not. <laughs> It's not ours. Someone might try to steal it or something. We're referring to the the map and the treasure, right? <laughs> that they that they think it refers to. That like he thinks that he's like, look, it's not ours. Someone might steal it from us. Again, the the plot development's really weak. Yeah, we should stay on ta on target for the episode. So let's go. Uh, let's go back home to. <laughs> The Rockmore household and watch an Italian mobster movie. Yeah, black and white on the TV. We got um, <laughs> a scene which will uh, a scene on the TV which will look very familiar in uh, in coming coming moments. But basically, we have a disagreement between. Um, let me see if I get their names right. Risotto and Figlioni. No, <laughs> I think I just made that up. Yeah, I, I think it might be Figlioni. Figlioni works for Sabrecchi. <laughs> Possibly might be it. <laughs> uh, they they do a their Italian joke. This episode is that the the mobsters' names are like uh, forms of pasta yep. and pasta yep. dishes. Yep. So it, it it's it's good. 
sort of. Uh, hey, I, I, we can take offense at that if we want. You know, in today's day and age, we can take offense <laughs> at that. Um, but I yeah. will not. Uh, <laughs> That's against my moral compass. Uh, neither will I. <laughs> um, anyways, Kel is, is terribly frightened by this movie. He, he would much rather watch an episode, a rerun of I Love Lucy. Fabrizi <laughs> says something to Rizzotti, and he says, I believe you have something that belongs to my boss. They, they have us exchange like that. They call each other names. Uh, he's he's not afraid of Risotto, and he, I think it, Risotto called, or Risotto's not afraid of him, refers to him as a uh, fat truck. <laughs> <laughs> yep, great, great comeback. We got great comeback. Yeah, uh, and they, um, the, the way that the scene eventually ends is, uh, when you, some violin music starts playing, and... Mm-hmm. And Fabrizioni uh, <laughs> says... Um, say hello to my little friend. And he reaches into his jacket and pulls out something that we don't see, but we suppose is a gun. We hear rapid fire as the family reacts and jumps out of the chair. And that's the end of the movie, too. That was the climax. That was it. That was the end, the end, the end. No denouement, no... Anyways. Twice so far in Keenan and Kel uh, has Keenan refer to this line, say hello to my little friend. <laughs> Once when he uh, uh, turned a water gun on some uh, some kids in the, oh, that's right. the store. Oh, yeah. And another one when he showed off his uh, knockout remedy. Must be a <laughs> must be a Scarface fan. Well, I, I wonder if both Keenan and the writer of this movie were Scarface fr- fans. Or if Scarface doesn't exist in this universe, and Kenyon just loves referencing this movie. You said writer of this movie, as in the movie that is playing within the episode of Kenan and Kel. Yes. I think I think so, you meant to say writer of this of this episode. No, no, that that's a lie from Scarface. <laughs> the guy who wrote the movie in the canon of the show must be really big on Scarface. Or he's the guy that originated it. It's one of the two. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. We're getting nowhere. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, as soon as the the shots fire, everybody in the Rockmore household, as in Mr. and Mrs. Rockmore, Keenan and Kel, sitting on the couch, they all jump and uh, scream in terror. And Cheryl says, "That scared the whiz out of me. Almost, <laughs> almost scared the whiz. Yeah, um, almost scared the whiz out of me." Kel's like squeezing Keenan's dad. There's a really funny joke coming up where. Uh, Cheryl says, okay, let's get to bed. You know you get cranky and mean when you don't get enough sleep. And then Kel says, you must never get enough sleep. And we have a nice little <laughs> laugh. I think the best joke of the episode right there. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Because it, it it's the usual dynamics. They, the, the writer got the note that Keenan's dad's angry. He yeah, doesn't it, show it, but they reference it. And doesn't like Kel. Uh, so they, uh, Keenan's wearing his theme song outfit. I know that. I also know that Keenan, he's the he's the right age to our Christmas episode was filmed last theory. Um, like he's kind of right between where he was last episode and where is it Christmas. He's getting a little bigger, his hair's a little shorter, and his cheeks aren't as you know rosy. Yeah, the chronology of Keenan Rockmore sounds like an in- sounds like an intro. <laughs> Here is the chronology of Keenan Rockmore. He calls Kel a, a dumb truck, like they did in the movie, and says, "Come, you know, let's look at the map." And they explore that map. Uh, they realize that it is a map of Rigby's. 
And uh, they, they argue about the safe a little bit. And uh, there's a really good line to end right before the commercial where they... You know, Keenan says, tell me why we shouldn't, like, you know, follow throughs and try to get the safe that's in there. And Kit Kel says, the safe doesn't belong to us. And Keenan's just like, so, finders keepers. Losers dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's like, give me one good reason why we shouldn't find that safe. And then Kel gives a very good reason why they shouldn't, like, go look for that safe. And uh, Keenan's just like, doesn't know where to go. So he says, you know. Finders keepers. Yep, finders keepers. Like they're playing on the playground. This is a safe probably with a lot of money that belongs to someone else. Cut to commercial. Uh, we end up in a new set. I think this is the only time we ever see this set. It's the back of Rigby's. And it's not the same back of Rigby's as from the uh, uh, the Mo Sweater Blues. It's like there's like a back door that leads down to the basement. It's real different. Yeah. And shady. I, I almost didn't recognize. Like I didn't really know where they were. I, I That makes sense though. They're talking to each other and uh they said like you know there's no reason to be scared <laughs> when suddenly a large man appears <laughs> it's like it's like what 11 p.m or something like 10 it's late yeah and they're like out past their bedtime clearly this guy just shows up right behind them um and and yeah it's it's, it's scary it seems like a dream like instantly it seems like what well i mean this the character is like is very similar to uh, Fabrizioni, and uh, yes, and he, and he literally uh, so he introduces himself as Mosticelli, yeah, another <laughs> pasta dish, and he says, "I believe you have something that belongs to my boss." The same line that Fabrice <laughs> guy said. <laughs> I can't believe how many times I'm yeah. saying his name incorrectly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same thing that Figaroni says. Figaroni. Ah. I, I, that's not it either. Just, I, I think it's funny we never get it right. Ricotta. Yeah. No, that's. Uh, so that's yeah, terrible. He, he says he says that to them, and they uh, they are, you know, very freaked out and don't give him a good answer. And what does he re reply? He says like, "I'll you know, I'll come back when you were a little more under control." Yeah. Very uh, scary. Very weird. Yeah. Absolutely. Very, very weird. Yeah, yeah. Why was he there? Well, they go downstairs, back into the storage room that we saw before, and they immediately start connecting dots of th that. What's happening in that mobster movie we just watched is happening to us right now, and that uh, that guy clearly this is his safe, <laughs> and he wants oh, oh, it. Oh, definitely. Yes, yes, yes. Um, they are very sure that the guy is out for blood and wants to kill them just like they killed risotto and mm -hmm. uh and yeah so so keenan says like oh we can't give him the map because then we become disposable which i think is, is very really pretty smart it's smart but it's also real serious the stakes of this that they think the stakes are is that they're gonna get gunned down Right? Yeah, well, I mean, the guy is, is, is resemblant of the exact character they were just afraid of in the movie. Yeah, there, there's no... I guess what I'm saying is that there's no through line. There's no room for interpretation. It wasn't like a horror movie where they got, like, stalked by a scary monster. Right. Like, they they think that they're going to get, you know, shot for dealing with mobsters. Yeah, they're... they're uh, I don't know, tolerance for, for, for what? Stressful situation <laughs> seems to escalate. It seems to escalate. They don't seem to have much tolerance. They try and map out where the safe is located in the basement. Uh, Keenan's staying there, and Kel says something that's not very funny at all.
the intelligence line was kind of funny, but I mean the, the the whole thumb gag, like thumb on the map, like how how lame is that? They couldn't think of Not anything. Great. They think could think of anything a little bit better. Like their you know, their life is in in jeopardy. So they follow the map, and where does it lead them? It leads them to a wall, and they argue about the wall. And uh, Keenan ends with punching a hole into it because he gets really upset and angry. Yeah, and he realizes that's a fake wall. And they tear it down. That is not a fake wall. That is just a wall that is not very well constructed. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's a wall, technically. It's a wall. It's a wall. It's just, yeah, it's, it's not a fake wall. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's like a dummy, I guess. I, 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 I mean, I get it, but anyways. I, I'm not going to fault them terribly for this scene because they clearly didn't, like, uh, maybe like one or two takes because they clearly punch through this wall and destroy this part of the set. Like so, how many times do you think they did that? Yeah, it's an irreversible moment in the in Keenan and Kel history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have never seen a a wall destroyed like this before. Never. I told you this was a historic episode. What do they decide to do? They discover the safe, and um, they don't like deal with it right away. They don't crack it, or tr maybe they attempt a little bit, but they can't seem to get it. Yeah, Cal doesn't think uh, they should open it because he doesn't want to end up like Risotto. And, uh, and there's no more Risotto. Yeah, yeah no more Risotto. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then basically we just transition uh, with bullet holes to Rigby's the next day in the daytime. Yep. <laughs> bullet holes. Unmistakable. Absolutely. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, uh, they're hanging out at the counter of Rigby's. And who shows up again? Zig Ziglar. Uh, what's, his name? what's his name? Or Masticelli. You get it. Mastiglione. Yeah. He, he rolls around and he says the same line again. I believe you have something that belongs to my boss. And they're stammering. They don't know what to do. And um, Yeah, they say that Chris isn't here right now. Yeah. Oh, what's his solution? Well, the man who's, you know, clearly realizes Keenan and Kel's incompetence and says, uh, <laughs> uh, why don't you tell, like, why don't you tell my boss yourself like once you you know once you figure out you know that thing that you're supposed to give him um and then he says capiche <laughs> and keenan and kel are just <laughs> so perplexed by this moment yeah uh, they <laughs> we don't know what capiche means yeah. <laughs> they look at each other and, and and are just just like terrified at this word what does for all our fantas here what does capiche mean well it's actually more like capiche or cap capisci, um, you know, because in Italian you pronounce every single letter. The, all those Italians where they, like, drop off the, the letter at the end, that's like Italian-American. But anyways, capisce means, like, do you understand? So it's usually asked, yep. like, I'm saying something, I'm saying something, like, do you understand? Oh, I, I noticed uh, two things about this. Uh, that it's a, it's a good subtle thing. It happened back in the alleyway earlier, and it happens after this scene, but Kel... Uh, starts humming the violin song. Oh, does he? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's a really fun little little piece. I don't think that's in the script. I think that's that's, that's Kel. Kel taking over, <laughs> Do, doing a good job. Yeah, yeah, he did a good job this episode. I'll give him that. Um, they're you know they don't know what to do. So what do they do? Well, they uh, the man tells him to them to meet uh, his boss at Mariana's restaurant at six p.m. sharp. Mariana. <laughs> Mariano. <laughs> Mariana. Yeah. Um, it might as well be Mariana's Mar Marinera. restaurant. 
Marinara's place. At 6 p.m. sharp. And they, of course, are terrified again. So, very, very quick transition to 6 p.m. at Marinara's. They come in through the doorway, and Kels is a variation on his, one of his catchphrases. He says, but I'm just a boy. An innocent boy. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they are met by... What's uh, what's his name? Manus Manus <laughs> Kelly, ma- ma- Master Chero, <laughs> Master Master Cello, and uh, yeah. Master Cello meets them, and uh, and anyway, and he shows them to the booth. I'm I'm glad we didn't defend Italians early in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we, because we really <laughs> are not showing our heritage very I, well. I, my my DNA test says I'm zero percent <laughs> Italian, so I have, I, I I don't know if I have any room to speak here. Um, yeah. It's anyway, true. so so they usher you know th- this guy who appears to be like a hitman for this mob boss. That's that's the role that he's playing. He ushers Keenan and Kel over to the booth where the mob boss is sitting. Now, if you've ever seen a mob like an Italian mob movie, the restaurant that the mob boss hangs out at is a really elegant you know elegant restaurant very high class um and the booth is in the corner you know it's like everybody's coming to him women and, and uh politicians and everybody's just coming showing up and he says a few words and then they leave um this is a this is like the italian restaurant on everybody loves raymond it has like the like, like the red and white checkered tablecloths green boots it's like your family italian restaurant <laughs> yeah right uh, it might be a hint at what's what's to come here it's also the same restaurant that's in the movie yes i don't know if you noticed no, I, this but I, I alluded to that earlier in this episode so yeah, yeah. It's, they have wine bottles on the racks it all lines it's up right exactly uh, right. and yeah Across the table is the very large and very in charge, Mr. Maniachi. <laughs> Mr. Marinara himself. Uh. <laughs> yes. Uh, ma- ma- yeah, Maniachi, uh, like, starts asking them, so, like, you know, where is it? And they uh, start, you know, blabbering, like, uh, we didn't even know it was yours and all that stuff. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it's it's very stressful situation with the two of them. Stressful is a good way to describe it. Um, yeah, so so really quick, they before this conversation begins, uh, Mastodon throws Keenan and Kel into the booth, like, very dramatically. And then he sits, on like, on, in the same booth and, like, is preventing them from getting out. So, so Keenan and Kel are all but trapped, which leads to the stress. Yeah, there's some real physical intimidation happening. And uh, and then yeah, as they discuss it, they start to freak out more when some violinists show up and start playing uh, music. And uh, Mr. Manachi, great line here. He says, "What? Do you have a problem with haunting themes?" <laughs> that was a good line. <laughs> that was a good mo- line. Um, He's like, uh, then uh, the, the boss man says, whatever his name is, Ma- <laughs> Marionero. Um, yeah. And he says, Mario says. <laughs> Mario and Luigi say, um, this conversation seems to be going nowhere. Uh, and, and so then he like hints at Mr. Mr. Mastodalone, and he says like, he like hints at him. And then that, that guy says, why don't you say hello to my little friend? And then Keenan and Kel start freaking out. Um, and then a he little. He reaches into his jacket. He reaches into his jacket, pulls out a napkin, and wipes off his his brow. And then a little boy comes out from the kitchen. 
And yep. uh, and <laughs> and that's his little friend. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Mr. Minashi's like, oh, this is my son, Michael. And he, this is a very feels like a very uh, Dan Schneider line. He says he gives him here, here's twenty dollars. Go get yourself a massage. Yeah, it seems like a very Dan Schneider line for a few a few reasons. Um, but yes, that that happens, and uh, and then Michael leaves, um, and somebody else shows up. Chris, ah, Chris, with a big brown paper bag. Chris shows up, and Keenan and Kel are befuddled. They're like, Chris, you know this guy? And he says that he uh, used to work for Mr. Maniachi. From last episode, we learned that Chris was in groceries for pretty much his whole working career. 17 years. From, Yep, 17 years from when he was a, a boy to about Keenan's age to now. Uh, so there's only one thing that makes uh, Chris used to work for Mr. Maniachi. And I believe he must have been the other, the previous manager for Rigby's grocery store. Ah, or Chris had two jobs at one point working at that restaurant. That could also totally be the case. Uh, it's not elaborated on, but Chris uh, at some points was employed by Mr. Maniachi. If that is and, his name. Uh, and they re- he reveals the something that belongs to his their boss. The something that... Keenan and Kel were intimidated by this entire episode. What they thought was the map that led to the safe or sofa was actually a plunger. Yep. That's the gag. That's the whole episode, people. <laughs> that's that's the, what this was all about. Um, yeah. Uh, Mr. Man actually couldn't buy another plunger. He he had to send his, his lackey to intimidate uh, Rigby's employees uh, so at 11 p.m. <laughs> the next day, in the afternoon, and then at six o'clock in his own <laughs> restaurant. I want to know who borrows a plunger, and why would you borrow a plunger if it, it's any circumstance that isn't like urgent? Like, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, the only reason you'd borrow a plunger is he if says it's we've very been urgent. A little problem, but like, he definitely <laughs> has yeah, a lot no, of time. That, that might be some of it—the urgency. Uh, it also could be a Sunday. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, my better justification is that it's some kind of heritage, <laughs> some kind of heirloom plunger. Because if, if uh, he was previously the manager there, he's like, oh man, Rigby's has the best plunger. I love that thing. It's the best. I love that thing so much, I want to put it over the table where I eat my Italian food. <laughs> what is happening? Like, what? <laughs> I just want to. Pass it naked over my the food. The whole episode just just like <laughs> spirals out of control from this moment on. Um, yeah, uh, it's real. It's real dumb. It's really, but, really, really dumb. Uh, Kinakal uh, laugh at this the situation. Laugh so hard they start crying. Yes, the the tears seem to be out of misery instead of laughter. And they uh, between scenes tell Chris what uh, what's going on and why they freaked out. Yeah, that got cut from the episode. And we're so deeper. paranoid. Um, so yeah, that they are end up in the basement, and they are showing Chris the safe. Yeah, Chris is like uh, is very amazed by it, uh, and you know, and he helps them open it. Somehow, somehow, the safe that was buried in the wall is easy to open. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that it's a three man bar job, <laughs> so like the two of them wouldn't work out. But Chris is a full grown adult, and he knows he knows where the safe opening bar is. 
that or the combination was on the the blueprint but who oh i mean these are theories that do not need answers Tina and Kel were so freaked out and paranoid that they were like, we can't open this one. There's, like, mob money in there. Right. Maybe it was open. Who knows? But they crack open that safe and reveal its contents to the world. Inside the safe is a... Sofa. <laughs> Which, uh, I'll be honest, the first time I saw this episode was, uh, like, on the treadmill in high school. <laughs> and uh, I I think that that saves a lot of the episode. It's... It's a really... Because unlike the, the dumb, obvious plunger, like, you know, ha butt of the joke, it's really subtle because they keep hinting at it because every time Kel's looking at it, he's like, I think it's a sofa. You're like, you just think it's a bad joke mixed in with all the other bad jokes. But no, it really is a sofa, and he was right. And he celebrates and explodes with joy. <laughs> that is a sofa. His celebration is very re reminiscent of uh, the screw in the tuna scene. It's got the same, like, yeah. tone, except he's more happy. Yeah, he's shouting, like, I was smart! It's a sofa! And, and Keenan sh shakes his arms, does his, why? He's, like, beating himself up. He's, like, punching himself. Yeah. Does his classic why, and then Kel, for once, maybe in the entire show, replies to the answer why. Because it's a sofa! Yeah, so at least it ends on a high note, and it not, like, a fizzle out. I'm glad you think that this was a high note. Um, I'm going <laughs> to save my opinions about this. Well, uh, do you think, what's a funnier thing you could be, think could be in that safe? I don't know. <laughs> I stand, all I right, I, I, I will stand by I that. Know. I think, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it. I'm all but uh, over all right. this. This yeah, let's let's finish this up real quick here. Yeah, um, they're out back on top of the uh, the stage, <laughs> and again for some reason this intro outro is really bad. Really, he needs just saying like nothing, riffing about the sofa, and uh, he spins around to reveal that there's a spider on his back once again. And yeah, there's a spider on his back. They freak out, and uh, and then Keenan pretty much just leaves. And, well, Kel is like, oh, don't worry, Keenan, I'll get it. He's, he pulls out the sledgehammer again. <laughs> uh, yeah. That is the whole episode. That's the episode. Um, <laughs> I have trouble with this episode. I just It was so scattered. There was so much happening. Um, the, the writing was, was not the best. The dialogue was even worse. Um, the, the plot devices were kind of just cringy. Um, the the movie and then the it was kind of, it was like it was like um, kind of amusing but mostly just like what why you know why yeah I, I, I thought a lot of it was moderate but it, it's really not a Keenan and Kel plot no because I, I'm gonna ask you a question whose fault was this situation was it Keenan's or Kel's and it's kind of like I mean it seems like there was an uh, like an an outside force that was very threatening and could have made things a lot more clear for Keenan and Kel, but instead he intimidated them to no end. Yeah, the problem was miscommunication. Uh, like, a guy that would not just use regular, regular, like, pro, <laughs> that used pronouns to, <laughs> to ruin a situation. Something. There's something here. Do you have that plunger that Chris was... Yeah. Hey, uh, but yeah, we have a problem, and Chris said we could use your plunger. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It seems like a very avoidable problem, which is uh, which is why yeah. one of the reasons I found this episode just like, oh, <laughs> really, guys? I, I just realized, uh, what did Chris knew that he needed their plunger and swung by at like six. When did he? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. When Chris showed, well, right before Chris showed up, like while they're sitting down in the booth, I'm like, oh. Maybe it was Chris who like wanted to play a prank on Keenan and Kel, and uh, and, oh, and Chris yeah. is like for, in on it for, for being lazy. Yeah, <laughs> like you know that's yeah, for being lazy. Wow, it's a much better episode. Yeah, no, or or, or something like uh, um, actually like placed something in the safe. He asked Keenan to go down in the safe because he knew he would find the map, um, and then the map, and then inside <laughs> the inside the safe was like. Uh, like a gotcha or some gag. Yeah, that's a much better episode. I, th- I think so. Like, it, w- it wouldn't have yeah, taken th- that much more, like, filming or, or anything. It would have just taken a little bit better writing. Inside the safe is a bunch of, like, cleaning supplies. <laughs> and Chris, likes like, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, then then it would have been a good Chris episode. It would have been, like, Keenan and Keller just, like, like the victims of... <laughs> of, uh, yeah. of this terrible tragedy. Uh, do you think it's it's anyone's fault, or is it like a maybe half and half? It's a moot point here. Yeah, uh, I'm not gonna. I, I try. To, uh, th- this isn't a problem that they wished upon themselves. It was a. This guy would intimidate anyone. If I was working at a store, and this guy showed up and did this to me. I would be equally in trouble. I mean, Keenan was very, very, uh, you know, dead set on opening that safe, which didn't belong to them. So maybe it was Keenan's fault, but I don't know. Not not directly. I'll give Keenan half a half a fault. Yeah. Okay. Give him a half. It's not. I give him a half. That other half goes to the universe. Good. Uh, yeah. Keenan got a Y in. Kale got half of it. I'm just a child. <laughs> <laughs> and no no mention of orange soda whatsoever. Just goes to the. Uh, it goes to t- tell you what's going on about this. But yeah, uh, Keenan's a bit of a scaredy cat. That's what we learned about the Rockmores this episode. Definitely. And Rigby's uh, a to-be-determined number of marshmallows were just destroyed by Keenan <laughs> for for no good reason. Not thrown across Rigby's at Kel, um, might I add. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So before we wrap up here, I've got one really uh, fun piece of trivia that I want to go All over. All right, let's hear it. Uh, so the character, Mr. Maniachi, is played by a man named Robert Costanzo. Mm-hmm. And Robert Costanzo has a, a vast career... Of um of playing, uh, as it says on Wikipedia, um, over forty years of playing sultry New York City types such as crooks and low-level workers, policemen, <laughs> mixes in both dramas and com- comedy roles. Oh, that's really funny. He's often the uh, voice double for Danny DeVito. No way. Yeah, yeah. So in, in stuff like uh, I don't know, like the Hercules video game, <laughs> and like Kingdom Hearts and stuff like that, he'll voice he'll voice like Phil, the Danny DeVito style character. That's that's really good. Very cool. He, yeah. Also, all his characters are like listed here on, on Wikipedia, and it's it's just a, a drinking game of Italian names. Oh, that's funny. He's just this big Italian guy. Uh, Massimo, Luigi, Sal, Don. Uh, he's got plays characters named Boss Man, Italian Man. I have a feeling that he he was um. They either paid a lot for him to like be on set. Uh, he he's a uh, I would call him a character actor. He does one thing very well, and they knew that like. They called up a friend. They're like, hey, we need the Italian guy. Yeah, the scary Italian <laughs> yeah, they, guy. They got yeah. him. Uh, yeah, okay. So let's uh, let's not <laughs> draw this out any further. Everyone's been dying to know. Um, out of ten bottles of orange soda, what would you give this episode? Five. <laughs> Five. 
Yeah, I I was uh so I would give the majority episode a four, but I'm telling you that safe just for that feeling that I got from that safe reveal when I was younger and and loved it. Uh, it gets a five for me too. So I thought you were gonna go up to six. Yeah, wow. Oh no, this is a stinker. It doesn't. <laughs> it's a it doesn't, stinker. It doesn't belong with Bag and Sack and Kel. Oh, that's you. <laughs> it doesn't belong within the line of Keenan. <laughs> or the pilot. In the line of Keenan. I blame Dave. Is it Dave, the, the delivery man? Yeah, he was in the those two episodes, and I think that's it. D is for delivery. Uh, and for what, what's worth, uh, IMDb gave this episode a 7.2. Uh, Which is outrageously high. Yeah. Everybody's very nice on IMDb. Ranked 44 out of 63, so it's very low on the list. Yeah, lower, lower third almost. Uh, yeah, definitely lower third. So, I would uh, I would say that this that makes sense to me. It might even be my lower like sixths. Like it's real. It's a. I, 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 think I would agree. I would agree with that. A lot of those later seasons have more fun. But uh, yep, that was yeah. it. Uh, that we finally got through it. <laughs> Woo! Now it's uh, nothing but nets for the rest of season one. There's only how many episodes left? One. Uh yeah, that was episode thirteen. Uh, the final episode, episode 14, is called... What? You have it on Amazon. Twizzles Fizzles. <laughs> yep. Twizzles Fizzles. And I have a... I've Can't wait, people. Written by Dan Schneider, Kevin Coppolo, and Heath Seifert. So, oh, this is the dream team. Good, the Good Burger dream team is here to write this one. <laughs> oh, phenomenal. You're in for a treat, people. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's a good one, too. I, I have also a really great personal story with this one as well, so I, I oh, cannot okay, wait, I can't wait to tell it. I'll have to dig up a personal story so I don't feel like uh, I'm so I'm not behind O2. Um. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, write us, uh, leave us a five star review, and uh, you know find us on social media. We'd love uh, talking to any fans out there. Thanks for being here, everybody. We really appreciate it. And as they say in Orlando, Florida, oh here it goes. Thank you for listening. You can send us an email at keenancalpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash keenancalpodcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all at keenancalpodcast. 